I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. What's up, Cowboy Nation? It's your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. What's up, guys? And on this week's episode of the Back Row Cowboys show, we're going to be continuing with our positional group breakdown. And this week's show is going to be wide receivers and tight ends if you tuned into last week's episode. But, Seth, before we get into that, I think we need to talk the big news that Woo! broke yesterday. Seth, why don't you go ahead and we'll talk, um, we'll talk these news and notes for a little while and then get into the breakdown. Dak is officially the Cowboys franchise quarterback. Signed a four-year, $160 million deal, including a $66 million signing bonus, which over the contract is he's averaging $40 million a year. I'm so glad we got this done over where we don't have to talk about it no more. Uh, I want to go ahead and break down the contract a little bit. <clears throat> In 21, the base salary is going to be $9 million. Uh the signing bonus is thirteen point two million, creating a cap hit of twenty two point two million dollars, which is a lot better than the thirty seven point seven or whatever it was for the the tag hit. So I was glad we get the deal done and now to help us build the team this year. Uh in twenty twenty two, his base salary is gonna be twenty million. His signing is still the same at thirteen point two, which yeah, I'll break that down continuously. Uh, his cap hit will jump up to 33.2. So we're looking at an $11 million increase next year in the cap hit. Um, if we happen to cut him, that's a $72 million cap hit, which never will happen. Um, in 2023, it'll be his base will be 31, so that's a $11 million increase. Signing bonus is still the same, and then the cap hit will go from 33.2 to 44.2, so another 11 million cap hit. Uh, if we were to cut him, it would knock us down. It would we would it would be go from 72 to 39.6 million dollar cap hit. <clears throat> and then in 2024, the base salary would be 29, which is two million cheaper than 23. Same signing bonus. Uh, the roster bonus would be $5 million. So this is the only year out of the whole contract is he'll get a roster bonus. And then the cap hit would be $47 million 
that year. So, and if we happen to cut him, that would be a $26 million cap hit. So, overall, I like the way this contract is laid out. I think it was very important for us to, because we already have so many reconstructed contracts anyway. So, <clears throat> I was happy that we were able to get the cap hit so low the first year. So, that'll help us build our team a little bit. <clears throat> he is due to make $75 million this year. So, $75 million of that contract is in the first year. So, it's it's front-loaded for sure. So, I I like the contract. I like the way it's laid out. And I was glad we were getting done. What do you think about it, Abo? My only thought on it is uh, you see those cap numbers jump yeah. e- each year. Yep. Uh, $11 million one year. And then next year, it's, what, another 10 or 11 now, we've got some contracts, the Amari contracts, one we've talked a lot. That's going to be a hot-button topic in 22 when there's a potential out. Because pretty much after 21, <clears throat> his guaranteed money's gone. We can walk away with very little cap hit. So if we need to make – if we need to create a lot of cap space quick, that's one avenue we can go. Yeah. Um, and then Zeke – we talked his contract on last episode. The The cleanest out is in 24. As these numbers continue to grow, those are going to be the players we're going to be looking to. to like, we, we've talked about um, our window to win. I mean, literally, that was the reason for bringing Dak back is because – well, the reason for bringing Dak back is he's a fantastic quarterback. Yeah. But – one of the reasons why you make sure you bring Dak back, and, and then people have said, oh, well, they have they draft in the top ten. They, they might be able to get one of the, the big quarterbacks. We're built to win now. Like, I understand, man, Justin Herbert came in and set the world on fire. And, and Joe Burrow looked fantastic until, um, you know, he that offensive line needs some revamping for sure in Chicago. But I think once they get him some protection, you're going to see what Joe Burrow can be. And I think he can be – an incredible quarterback. And, and this quarterback class is really strong. And I, I'm still a believer in Tua. I, I know you love Tua more than me. Herbert was my number two. Tua was your number one. Um, still I, is. I, I still think he can be a good quarterback. I, I, I think, well, there's no point in getting into that. But right. we need that veteran present for one one well, reason is just because Dak's the leader in the locker room. It's undisputed well, it. that he's the leader it, of the locker room. It showed room. last year after he went out, uh, there was a lack of leadership. There was nobody willing to step And Zeke, everybody was expecting Zeke to be the guy to step up, but Zeke's never been the guy to lead the team. He's always just toted the rock and done his job. And No, it was Jason Witten and, and like Sean Lee. Those, yeah. were, those were the vocal guys until Dak kind of ascended. And – but even more so, last year, once Dak had the surgery and once he kind of got up moving around, even on crutches, he was at the stadium all the time. I think a little bit of that, while we were playing better towards the end of the season, there was a lot of things. There were some defensive scheme changes that kind of put people in better positions to win. I think we got a little bit more comfortable with the offense. And, and Mike McCarthy – and, and um, Kellen Moore kind of brought things in. They implemented the scheme to, like, work with fit Andy Dalton. Um, but I think Dak's presence being there was big. I mean, he started showing up to the facility. He rehabbed at our facility. So, yeah, I, I think I think day. just him being in the locker room, I, that's got to help. 
it's got to help morale if nothing else. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was there every day, rehabbing every day. He was at every practice. He took the COVID test every day so he could be there. So, you know, that that in itself showed the commitment that he had towards the team as well as the the Joneses were saying as well. And the contract proves that they were committed as well. So, You know, I, I've seen so much hate on, so, on social media, like, about the contract. You know, like, about time. It happens. And it – what what a lot of people don't understand is they had a deal done last year. They just submitted it late. You yeah. know, both parties dug in hard. We dug in on well, the front office dug in on the years. Dak dug in on the numbers, and finally, Dak, you know, he whittled down and said, "Okay, I'll take a few less dollars if if you give me less if you meet me with the years." Now, there's no one knows what those terms were. Did would it have been five or would it have been four? I don't know. But the deal was submitted. It was just late. Like so, they they act like there was no attempt to ever get a contract done last year. No, yeah. there was an attempt to get a contract done. They just missed the deadline by like fifteen twenty minutes. There are hundreds of trades that don't go that have never gone down, and no one knows about because it comes out later. Oh well, this player was supposed to get traded, but the details came in too late, so it was avoided trade. Yeah. Same concept here. The deal was done last year, just got submitted late. There was never there was never a plan B. Dak has always been plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, however far down the alphabet you want to go. It was just putting pen to paper, and it was both sides. <clears throat> I, I, you know, you talked last week that Dak said he wanted to be right behind Mahomes, and, and you said he deserves more than Watson, and, and I think – if he asks for more than Watson, then we need to give it to him because he's done everything that Watson's done or, or yep. even a little bit more. He's only making $1 million more a year than, than Watson. Watson's 39 a year, Dak's 40, at, at least on average. Yeah. You you know, and we gave him his four years. So he got the four years he wanted. What's to say he, he wasn't asking for 45? And then we both met in the middle this time, and it was just a much neater. And that's stuff that we'll never know. Like, yeah. that's the type of stuff we'll never know. I mean, you can only speculate that uh, he might have wanted more. He might have wanted – I'm just glad know. that we don't – like, all last offseason, and we talked so much about Dak and that contract. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's This over. is not going to be a, re- a repeated theme this year. Dak's here. It's four years. It's $160 million. Well, It kills all the speculation of exactly. Russ coming to Dallas, too. Exactly. Russ. And and I'm just glad that you and I don't have to talk about it at the beginning of every show. This is probably the last time we're going to talk the contract specifically. It, it's four years. It's 40 mil. He's the second highest paid quarterback on average per year. And just be done with it. You know, it. The deal's done. Man, let's get to work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited about it. I'm um, like you said, I'm glad it's over with and done. I, I mean, if if you heard, I mean, who's the number one person on the intro to this this podcast? Dak Prescott. It's Dak Prescott. Sam excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy, and 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 I'm super excited to have him back. And I can't wait until a second year in this offensive scheme. He gets a full off season with uh, CD Lamb. Hopefully, the offensive line is going to come back, and it, it's going to be, you know, we're we're. Hoping that the injury – we're not going to have the injury bug again this year. Um, Couldn't get, no, I'm, I'm, get much worse. I'm I'm really excited. Like, this has me so fired up. Yeah, I'm ready I'm ready for the season. Let's All start right. now. I, I, I think that's enough on the on the DAG deal. We talked him 
at length last um, episode. So uh, I think we just really need to talk to Deal. And, and let's go ahead and move right into our positional group breakdown. Um, let's start with the wide receivers. All right, we'll start with our list of wide receivers. We're going to start with number one, Amari Cooper. Uh, and then we got CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, John Vay Johnson, Aaron Parker, and Chris Lacey. Now, these are the only guys that are under contract right now. Uh, Cedric Wilson, however, he is a restricted free agent, so we will have the opportunity to tender him if uh, we choose to or match whatever offer that he gets. Um, but let's jump to the top of the list and start with Amari Cooper. Um, Cooper had a pretty good year last year. He was our our most consistent wide receiver on the year. He had 92 receptions, 1,114 yards, and five touchdowns. He had six rushes for 14 yards. So, so in my opinion, he was the most consistent receiver that we had last year. And then we had CeeDee Lamb, who had 74 receptions for 935 yards, five touchdowns. He had 10 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown. And then he had 229 return yards. And he had one return for a touchdown, which was that onside kick that returned for a touchdown. Uh, then we go to Michael Gallup who had 59 receptions for 843 yards and five touchdowns. Then we had John Bay Johnson, which he made a couple of appearances, but he wasn't really relevant. And then Aaron Parker and Chris Lacey, which special team guys, I guess, uh, they didn't really have much going on, but these are guys under contract. So, And then uh, Cedric Wilson, I don't have the numbers right in front of him, but he had a few good games. Uh early part of the year so and he's our restricted free agent well the thing is like you and i talked about this a little bit before the show and we and we said you know do we need to throw in cedric wilson's numbers and the problem is until he's under contract this show is that's what this show is about yeah this show is about players that are under contract at the current time and one thing i worry about is we're just over the cap I, i looked at the number today we're like it came out either yesterday or today that the NFL salary cap is going to be one hundred eighty-two and a half million dollars. Yep, which is good. It, it didn't drop as much as some people thought. There was a lot of speculation on, on what the cap was going to dip because of how much money the owners lost last year um, w- with fans not being able to attend. Yeah. So the contract, so the cap didn't go down much, but we're still over the cap one point two million. Now, granted, one point two million, we're sitting off a lot prettier than a lot of other teams. There are some contracts that can be worked around, but but with Cedric Wilson, just to make this nice and neat, if you tender him, I mean, maybe we give him a, give him an original tender and bring him back at like next to nothing. How much are you going to pay someone to be your wide receiver for? Because he ain't, yeah, he's not exactly. cracking this top three. No. So so that's that. Just to to discuss Cedric Wilson really quick. I like the player. He had some really nice games last year. A ton of ability. When he's in the open field, you're not catching him. His biggest question is consistency. So. And But it's just we didn't want to get too deep into him because, like you said, we're talking contract players. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, let's, let's get into those players. I, I'm with you 100% on Amari Cooper. I think he was our most consistent. Um, he didn't – he wasn't bad under Dak by any means. It, it's no, not like it no. was. It's not like it was. C.D. Lamb was by far and away the number one. 
and Amari Cooper was, you know, the number two. I think Cooper was drawing more of the coverage. So that made – see, of course, when CeeDee Lamb – or when Dak was on the field, CeeDee Lamb was a top five wide receiver in the league. So, I mean, that just shows you how much of a connection they had. But it had nothing to do with the fact that uh, anybody Dak believes that CeeDee Lamb was better than Cooper. I think just Cooper was drawing the tougher coverages. All right, so just to talk Amari and, and, and him versus Lamb, like you said, Lamb was top five in yards. A lot of his touchdown work was done when Dak was uh, in, still playing. Amari, week one against L.A., now he grew. Now he drew Jalen Ramsey pretty much the whole game. He, he, was walking, he was walking him around the field. Amari still had 10 for 81. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean the, the yards per catch, 8.1, that's not great. But he was still able to make some plays against one of the top corners in the NFL. The next week against Atlanta, he had six for a hundred. I mean, so that's a that's a really nice game. Yeah. The week after that against Seattle, and, and we he had nine for eighty six. The game against Cleveland was really strong, twelve for one thirty four and a touch. But then the last week against the Giants, two for twenty three. So in the games without Dak. He had in the games with Dak, the five games he had like four hundred and twenty some receiving yards. If you equate that over sixteen games, at let's just say we'll say eighty five yards a game, that times sixteen is thirteen hundred and sixty receiving yards. That's a monster year. Yeah. So I mean his his total the touch yes he had more touchdowns when Dak left. But his yards per game went down. I mean, so I, a lot of people say, you know, CD's season really went down after Dak left. Same thing with Gallup. I mean, you, we don't know what pace uh, Amari could have been on had Dak stayed in the game. So stayed in and, you know, played the rest of the season. So, you know, while Amari was consistent and, and easily the most reliable target in the offense – I don't think the season that he had last year is his ceiling. I don't think it is either. I think uh, I think if everything goes as planned, I think this year is going to be – because everybody found out last year, CeeDee Lamb is pretty dangerous. So that's going to open the coverage up for Amari Cooper as well. So I think we're going to see his best season yet this year. So, And another thing, what I really want to see happen next year – and we, I said it a lot in the off season. We talked a lot about who was going to be in the slot, and you said it's probably going to be CD. They're going to make it easy for him coming out of college. And I said, well, you know, he's so dangerous on the outside in college, and he's he was dangerous on the inside in college too. But I thought they might just put him on one side of the field, and then they might work Amari in the slot. That didn't happen to begin the year, but as CD got more comfortable and got more accustomed to the offense, or, or maybe it was just McCarthy opening things up. He started moving Amari in a slot. Yeah. And, man, I love seeing that. Uh, Amari and, and CD are, are sit, not – they're not mirrors of each other as players, but they're both such fantastic route runners. And, and Amari, for all the hate he takes in the NFL, man, he is a top-tier route runner. Oh, no question. Man, he puts guys on skates. 
Yeah, I seen. I just looked at a video the other day, and man, it's crazy how crisp his routes are. And, and that's one of the reasons why I like him in the slot so much because he's got that inside. You know, is is the, is the option breaking route going to go inside or outside? He's got the whole field to work with. Exactly. So. I'm. That's the one of the biggest things I really want to see implemented next year. Now that Dak's back and all the wide receivers are a little more comfortable in the offense, I even want to see Gallup in the slot. They they put Gallup in the slot a little bit last year to end the season, and I liked what I saw there. Move your chess pieces around. Don't be that dull offense where this guy's over here and this guy's over here, and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. Move those guys around. I think we see that a lot next year. I really do. I, I hope all so. All of them. All three of them. I hope so. And, and especially with, with Gallup's such a different receiver. He's just kind of that big go-up-and-get-it receiver. He's so physical. And, and even over the middle, he's a physical player. You know, he's, he's willing to run those slants, and he's willing to run into traffic. But when Gallup – or but when Lamb and, and Cooper are in the slot – they're looking to break a big run because they're they're looking to make someone fall down when, when they yeah. when they make that cut left or right and they're looking to take one to the house and I just I want to see more of that next year with Amari because I'm a fan I, I'm he catches so much hate from Cowboy Nation and and from the media on inconsistency and I just I don't get it yes the hands are questionable. There are some times where he drops past. I know his drop rate since he's been in the NFL is one of the higher drop rates in the league. I understand that. But his ceiling is so high. I mean, he has that ability to just take over games. And there just there aren't many number one wide receivers in the NFL that have that ability yeah. that get that much doubt from, from you know, the media, from their some of their fans. I just, I don't know. I, I'm an Amari Cooper fan. I'm always going to be, you know, this time next year, if we're talking the contract and, and whether he's going to be there or not, I can already tell you I'm voting to keep Amari. I mean, that's my guy. I like him. He's a yeah. great player. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think he's, you know, a great great asset to the team. And I, him not being there, um, I think CeeDee Lamb struggles just because it was his rookie year last year. So, yeah. Uh, CeeDee Lamb also dealt with a lot of I – mean, Well, CeeDee Lamb, he kind of – he fell off. When Dak got hurt, it took him five or six weeks before he got back on the Yeah, horse. but there was that weird middle part of the season that you and I talked about oh, yeah, where yeah, his yeah, snap yeah. share yeah. was like 52%. Yeah, it was really and low. 60%, and 60%. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, he he's come out and set the world on fire from the bat – you know, like right off the bat. Yeah. And then you're just going to start – taking the snap share down. And they did the same thing with Amari. There were a couple games where Amari was playing like 50% snap share and Gallup was the only guy getting 80, 85% snap share. And I just, I, I didn't get it. And maybe it was because the offensive line was just, you know, I know we started running a lot of 12 personnel and that was probably because we didn't have any choice. Yeah. Knight improved, you know, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, he became a very serviceable tackle by the end of the year. Man, Steele was not good all year. He no. needed help the whole year. And granted, he, you know, when you're going against Aaron Donald, you know, you're going to need help. I mean, he's, he's one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL, if not the best defensive lineman, you know. 
So, of course, he's going to make players look silly. Yeah. But to not see any improvement all year and to just struggle all year, I just, you know, I'm ready to have Collins back. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the wide receiver that probably was most inconsistent this year was probably Gallup. I mean, Gallup was, like you said, he was used some in the slot, but he was mainly used as an outside guy. And most of the time, you gotta they were have, going for the big play. You got to have time to to those down the field targets. You got to have time to let them develop. And and there were weeks, the the Cleveland game, the Eagles game, the uh, Steelers game. Gilbert was under some pressure. The of course the Rams game. There was just no time to let that stuff develop. At the end of the year is when they when he started picking it up. He had a couple good games at the beginning of the year. You know, he had the big game against Seattle. You know, he had 138 and a touchdown that game. Uh, then there was that murky part of the season where you know, you know, we had Joe somebody starting at quarterback for a while there, and then <clears throat> when Andy Dalton started finally settling in, then we've said that. Cooper was the most consistent because let's be honest, Andy Dalton can only he can only support one wide receiver consistently. Um, but he did have a few decent games. You know, he had a decent game against Baltimore. He had 86 yards and touchdowns in that game. Uh, the Philly game, he had six for 121 with two touchdowns. So <clears throat> he had some better games in the second half. But Gallup has always been was with Lamb there. You knew from the get somebody had to be the deep threat, and with uh, Cooper and Lamb being the technician route runners, obviously Gallup was going to be the one that was going to be on job for that. One thing I'll say about Gallup is against those very physical teams. You mentioned Baltimore. You mentioned the game against Seattle. You mentioned the game against the Eagles. Those are teams that are going to get up, get in your wide receiver's face. The teams that have seemed to do that against Michael Gallup, he's made some plays against. Yeah, I love the fact that he plays the position very physically and isn't afraid of contact. He's not afraid to go deep and go up there and, and jump over someone to get the ball. Um, hey, I mean, he's made some great catches doing that, too. He's so. also struggled with drops. That's another. Yeah, that's That's his biggest, by far, his drops. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard to put him in a slot. One, he's not a great route runner. I like Michael Gallup. He's a good player. He's not a great route runner. But you don't need to be that in the NFL to be successful. But to to be successful in a slot, you've, you've got to be able to set those routes up. I, just, I don't think he has that. When he's in the slot, it's going to be a slant or, or it's going to be something deep out of the slot. I just I think those are the options. He runs when he's in a slot. A lot of times, he runs those clear. He'll clear things out. He was clearing things out for Amari or Ceedee Lamb to work underneath. That's yeah. a, that's a lot of how he's utilized in a slot. And um, there, there's definitely a place for it. And some big plays can be made if that safety doesn't go deep with him. Then you got a one on one shot deep for a big play. And he, a lot of those one on ones aren't fifty fifty for him. They're, they're closer to sixty forty. Yeah, and at the beginning of the year, you know, we we talked about is Dallas Cowboys going to have three thousand yards receivers? Now Dak went down week five. Okay, you got Gallup, who missed it by about one hundred and fifty yards, and you had Land who missed it by sixty five yards. 
So, and, could and you that, imagine? The crazy thing is they all caught five touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's weird. Um, but yeah, I I, th- I could easily see a scenario in which we have three thousand yard receivers next year. I'm hoping that our offense doesn't have to become so one dimensional that that happens. And I, I think that was a lot of the problem. I mean, <clears throat> we threw the ball so much in the first five weeks alone just because of, we kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, we didn't throw the ball as much, obviously, in the second because, one, we didn't have time to. And even with teams shutting Zeke down, we – Still didn't have time to. I mean, it was – It's Well, here's two years ago when Dak was there. Dak threw for 4,900 yards. Our offense is – for sure, Dak's going to move the ball around. But let's say he throws for 48, 4,900 yards next year. I don't think we have a receiver that's going to go for like 17, 18, 1,900 and command a large share of those yards single handedly. Yeah, I think I think, I think we I think we could have someone easily go twelve hundred, twelve fifty, maybe thirteen hundred. But I think I think Amari or C D could probably get to twelve hundred, um, maybe a little over. So even if he throws from forty eight hundred, forty seven hundred, I I definitely see a path for three thousand yard receivers. I do as well. I mean that's one thing about Dak. He's really good about spreading the ball around. He doesn't just eyeball one player. So, and that's the great thing about this this offense. And and taking a CD Lamb at seventeen last year, we've said we didn't love the pick because of where else we thought we needed to sub. You know, where else we thought we needed reinforcements on the team. But as we got deeper into the season, and we said, man. How are you going to guard all these players? And offense wasn't the problem to begin the year, for sure. A lot of turnovers, and that shot our defense in the foot. Even when we weren't turning the ball over, we weren't stopping much of anyone. I mean, L.A. didn't LA didn't run the score up on us, but, I mean, L.A., their whole offense regressed incredibly last year. So, I yeah. mean, they definitely weren't the offense they were a couple years before. Um but everyone else was able to really run it up against us. And that wasn't all just turnovers. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I can very easily see, and like you said, I agree with everything you just said as far as uh, nobody's going to have no more than 12 or 1,300 yards. I just I feel like our offense is too dynamic and we have too many playmakers to – for that to happen, I think was going to be spread the ball around a lot, and <clears throat> I think Zeke is going to be involved a lot more next year too. So, uh, and just I just wanted to throw out uh, Cedric Wilson. I know technically he's not a uh, a contract guy, but just wanted to throw it out there. He had, he only had about two hundred yards last year, but he did have you know the one big game last year for 100 and some yards and a couple touchdowns so the other guys the other three guys they didn't really have any relevance on the season john bay johnson i think is a player that has a lot of speed and 
there are times, even when Cedric Wilson was there, you, you would have that fourth receiver. We had Devin Smith the year before. He was the he went in the first round a few years back in the NFL draft, and it for whatever reason it just didn't seem to work on other teams. We would bring him in as just kind of a, a deep threat, a, a nice decoy. John Bay Johnson has speed that you have to respect. Yeah. If not, then he can go 75 in a heartbeat. Yeah, I agree. I like the thought of him coming in, and if we don't bring back Cedric Wilson, bringing in John Bay Johnson, even if it's been just go deep, like – I mean, now, granted, we've got to involve him in the offense some, or no one's going to respect it. But, you know, bring him in, work some plays with him. Cedric Wilson got some reverses and stuff out the backfield. Uh, Amari got some reverses out the backfield. I don't like seeing that. I, I think CD looks good when he does it. I don't think Amari looks especially great. I'm not taking, big on reverses, period. But that's something you could do with Jean Bay Johnson. Yeah. Try to get him the ball out in space. He's a player I liked coming out of college. I, you know, last year's wide receiver class was top tier. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't at the top of the list for me, but he was one of those deep sleepers towards the bottom that can make an impact. And even if he's better for your, you know, we always talk fantasy. I don't think he's ever going to be a great fantasy receiver, but I think. He can be really good for our offense as just another deep threat and someone that can take the top off the defense and that maybe run some bubble screens to him and just try to get him the ball in space and, and let him use that speed and acceleration to, to bust a big one. Because that's what it takes sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. you know, other guys aren't just aren't going to have it, you know. They have a couple drops and get down on themselves and they just can't shake it. Or maybe someone gets hurt and tweaks an ankle and, and they just – they can't go out and run routes, and they're more of a decoy. I think that Johnson can come in and provide like a spark, like a like a sixth man in basketball that can come up, come in and be some instant offense. I, I think that he can give some real juice to the offense in, in small spurts. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think he's he he can do enough. And to, to jump back on Ceedee Lamb, one thing I want to see this year, I really don't want to see Ceedee Lamb on special teams at all. I don't either. I think it's too much of a risk. And and a lot of people forget, you know, Des Bryant, he started off doing the same thing, broke his leg. So, uh, I don't see any reason for any of our top three to be on special teams at all. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Gallup and Amari, they're never going to be on special teams. But, you know, they'll send Lamb back for punts. And he, I just I – just, I mean, I get it. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's amazing in the open field. For so, sure, for sure. With but, the ball in his hands, and but there's it, too much risk. There's a difference between uh, he's a good returner. I don't think he's a great returner. Now, when Tyreek Hill was going back and fielding punts for Kansas City, he was a fantastic return guy. I don't think CeeDee Lamb is a, like, quote-unquote special returns player, so why risk it? Yeah. yeah, he he would he would catch it and he'd get eight ten yards. Sometimes he'd break one for fifteen or twenty. Well, I think they use that use him just because it's the best they had. Yeah, so. but if if that's what our special teams is going to be is is trying to get good field position, get a guy that's going to 
get 12, 15 yards on a return, we can have someone do that other than CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I agree. That way he that way he can – it allows him to focus just more on offense. That way he doesn't have to go back and, and return punts. You know, if we're behind in the game and, and we need that spark and you want to send out one of your big-time offensive players, okay. You know, we even did that with Dez when he came back. Yeah. You know, we, we pulled him off the punt team. But every now and then when we needed a spark, we'd put him back there. There are other teams that do it with their players. Tyreek returns a handful of punts a year when they need a spark. Of course, now they're usually so far ahead on people that they don't need him, but um, not returning punts. I'm fine with Lamb going back there. I just I don't want to see it all the time next year like we did last year. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and Well, the, other, the last two guys that we uh, on the list were Aaron Parker and Chris Lacey, which – I get they were more uh, roster fillers and special team guys. They're depth guys. Like you said, the you know Gallup Cooper. They're never going to play special teams. I don't want CD Lamb defending kicks. I don't want him returning kicks. I don't want him defending punts. I don't want him returning punts. So, so someone's got to do. Someone has to do the special teams yeah. work. It's just it's too hard a top three to crack. Yeah, I mean. That's that's what made it like we talked and I said you know I'm going to mention every wide receiver under um, contract now we're going to go down and we're going to talk to players once we get towards the bottom I did tell you I was going to speak on John V. Johnson because I do think that there's something you can bring to the offense the other two guys like there's just not a lot to say about them they're not going to crack that top three and if they are then then we've got a whole another echelon of problems yeah because then a bunch of guys are hurt yeah yeah and we so had enough of that last year th- their depth guys man if if one of them could provide a spark on returns kicks punts that would be fantastic uh you know our kick would re- even like tony pollard returning kicks I-, I haven't loved tony pollard as a kick returner I-, I don't think he's been anything special as a kick returner i would really really like to get just I understand Devin Hester's just don't crow on trees. So Dante Hall is, you know, I'm I'm talking the some of the best return men ever. Yeah. But I would really like to get a top tier, you know, someone even if they're just known for their return ability, get them on the team. That way you can just take all look and just go back and, and your job is to flip field position for us on kick and punt returns. Like yeah. I'd I'd love to see that this year. Yeah, because I mean we haven't had that in a long time. What Dwayne Harris was our last somewhat consistent return man. Well, I mean he was a Pro Bowl return man with yeah. us. Um, so yeah, for sure. I mean that's been years ago. Um, and you look at those guys that can that can flip field position in an instant. That the changements a lot of teams their first drive man they're just. Playing the field position game, and of course you want to go down and score, but you've got that scripted. You've got those scripted plays to begin the game. You're trying to work the field position game, and 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 hopefully you can find some momentum. If you can find a guy that that instead of returning the ball to the twenty six twenty seven, takes it to the forty five, all of a sudden it's like, you know, we need to play this a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. So th- that's that's the one thing I'll say about some of these guys at the bottom. I- I'd love to see someone step up and take a big step forward a- as a return man, both kicks and punts. 
Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Let's jump on to our next positional group, and I think there's a little more controversy in this one. Um, and that's our tight ends. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read them off. Um, you're going to have to help me with the last one because, to be honest with you, I don't know how to say his last name. All right, well, let's start off with the first one, and that's Blake Jarwin, who had one reception for 12 yards. Um, of course, he tore his ACL in week one, so that's what brought on our second tight end and Dalton Schultz. Uh, Dalton Schultz had a, a surprise a lot of people, really. He had 63 receptions for 600 yard, 615 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, our third tight end is Sean McKeon. And Abo, this last one is Cole Hicatini. Hicatini. Uh, which those last two were not really much to – it's not much to talk about there. They're more roster players and depth guys. But <clears throat> the main two we're going to be talking about right now is Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. Uh, Dalton Schultz. And let's let's start off with the year that Dalton Schultz had. Uh, like I said, he had 63 receptions for 615 yards and four touchdowns, which surprised a lot of people because uh, Dalton Schultz, even his first three years in the league or his first couple years in the league, he was a blocker in college. He was a blocker. He has never been known as a receiver threat throughout college and in his first part of the NFL. So the fact that he come out and – you know, clicked instantly. Like, it was, to me, it was a surprise at how well he started off this year and it was pretty consistent throughout the year as well. Yeah. I, Dalton Schultz, we even mentioned this in the offseason. We said that Schultz is a little bit more like Witten, a much better blocker than Blake Jarwin, going to work the, the short to intermediate routes, Catch the ball, get to the first down marker, and, and that was. Well, we just we knew Jarwin was going to be the guy that was going to catch more so than not, and then Schultz and Blake Bell were the two guys that were going to be coming in to do the block. And, and we had a lot of discussion in the off season on who was going to be the tight end two behind Blake Jarwin. Was it going to be Dalton Schultz or was it going to be Blake Bell? And Schultz ended up being a, a, a good tight end one, especially in an offense where we, we've already mentioned Gallup's numbers, Lamb's numbers, Amari Cooper's numbers. As the fifth read in the offense, because you kind of think the, the running back, whether it's Pollard or Zeke, are going to be the read before Schultz. For a guy that's a, the fourth or fifth option in the offense, he had a really solid year. Yeah. Uh, he did. I mean, he uh, like I said, it was it was super surprising to me how well he stepped in and did. So, I guess my question is, who's tight end one, or is it like tight end by committee? I, I like I, I I don't know of a team in the NFL that has like tight end by committee. There are a lot of teams that run a lot of twelve personnel, but I'm telling you, we can't pull Lamb Gallup. Cooper off the field. Now we'll do it someplace for sure, but we can't have them off the field. Those three need to be on the field 85, 90% snap share. Yeah. 
we can't pull them off the field 25-30% of the game so, so we can have the second person of this tandem on the field. Well, I mean, it's there's different ways that they can use it. You know, if they go to the I formation and maybe they can use Schultz as a fullback. And then you still have Jarwin on the end there, and then you have Gallup and, you know, Cooper or CeeDee Lamb and Cooper or whoever on the outside. Well, that gives you five options that you could pass ball, including Zeke. So, I mean, there are ways that you can implement both of them in the in the playbook. Yeah, but, but doing that, you're still pulling a Lamb or a Gallup or a Cooper off the field. Yeah, but I, that's that 10 to 12% that, you know, snap share yeah. that they're not seeing. I agree 100%. What I think is going to happen is, this is just me speculating, Jarwin, with his – with his ability in, in as a receiver, yes, to to work the seam out of the slot, to work over the deep middle part of the field, to even work the short middle and, and a lot of catch after the run stuff. You know, a, a lot of time when Jarwin kind of made that ascension at the end of two years ago, w- which is what got him the contract extension. A lot of what he was doing was out of the slot. Yeah. And so I'm almost curious if, like you said, that that 10, 12, 15%, that one of those receivers is off the field, is Schultz on the end as an inline blocker, Jarwin's running out the slot, Zeke's in the backfield, and then yeah. two wide receivers are lined up on the outside. And, man, if we have to lose a receiver for, let's say, 15% of the, the plays – because Amari's off, Cooper's off, Lamb's off, whatever. If your fallback plan when they're off the field is to put Jarwin in the slot and line up Schultz, you know, in line, man, that, that's that's not a, a bad plan, C, D, E, F, whatever it is. Well, I mean, you could also run a, the max, max protect offense, and you could still send them out on routes too. So, and – for sure, but I mean, just Jarwin's. It's, it's Jarwin's, so many ways. Jarwin's not a great blocker. I mean, so no. But I'm saying you could use that as a decoy and create the look of a run, and you know, use that as a pass. For sure, but his strength is so much working out of the slot, and and he's such a good. He's a really he he's a strong athlete, um, for the tight end position. And yeah. w- We've had Jason Witten for years. Jason Witten was never an athlete. On his best day, he was never a fantastic athlete. And this is something we talked about coming into last year was, man, it's going to be really nice to have a tight end that's got some athletic ability. It's something that we've been searching for. Rico got chance after chance after chance because he showed that seam-stretching ability in the preseason, but he could just never make it work in the regular season. Jarwin showed the ability to make it work in the regular season. Yeah. And so, for me, I, I man, I really do think there, there's going to be a little bit of tight end by committee. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I think uh, – I don't think you can put either one on the bench and let them sit. I think Schultz proved that he's – Jarwin already proved it that, you know, he's a reliable receiver. 
Schultz proved it last year. And, of course, you're not going to let Jarwin sit on the bench because you just paid him the money. And, well, Schultz is your cheaper option. Like, he's really cheap right now. He's in his con- This will be his contract year. So, I'm, I'm really curious to see how they utilize both of them together. I mean, really, like, Dalton Schultz is like Jason Witten light. I mean, I'm not comparing him to Jason Witten. I mean real light. Yeah. Because Jason Witten's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's – in his prime, as far as everything you need from a wide, from if you want a do all tight end, blocking, receiving, you know, toughness, ability to make the tough catch over the middle, ability to work in a red zone, how many great tight ends are, are in his era? You look at Tony Gonzalez, you look at um, Antonio Tony Gates. Yeah. Wynn was right there with them. Yeah, it, Tony Gonzalez and uh, Gates—they were more receivers. Well, w- Gonzalez is, was he was Gonzalez is one of the best tight ends ever. So that—that's uh, an unfair statement. But he, Gonzalez was a, a really, really strong blocker. He was—he's one of the quintessential do-all tight ends. And a well, the only thing that, that sets them two apart is what I was getting at was Gonzalez was a lot more athletic. Than Witten was. Oh, for sure. So, for, sure. Uh, for what for the athleticism that Witten had, like he was, there was two things that Witten was very, very good at. One was catching the ball. He was very good at catching the ball, and two was that ability to seek out the open spots in the zones. Oh he, yeah, fantastic! I mean, that he was. He top. was miss. He was Mister Third Down for Tony Romo yeah. when it was third and four, third and five. The whole stadium knew Whitman was getting the ball, including the defense, and they still couldn't stop it. Yeah, and I see a lot of that in Schultz. I, yeah. I, like you said, they're they're miles apart right now, but I do see a lot of it. I, I agree, one hundred percent. And my biggest thing is, will he be able to duplicate? What he did last year, and I think in a way that's going to be hard because I think they're gonna they're gonna force Jarwin in. I think that they're going to eat into each other's stats. I don't think Schultz had just over six hundred receiving yards, and I think it's going to be tough for either receiver to hit. Well, that's one of those things, like because it's his it's Schultz contract year. Okay, say they both go in there and they have both have mediocre years because they're eating each other's stats. Do you let Jarwin walk? I mean, uh, Schultz walk because you already paid Jarwin? Or um, I, I looked it up while while we were talking, just talking Jarwin's contract. In 2022, his cap number is 6.25. The dead money's $2 million. We save 4.25 if for some reason we let him go pre-June 1. 2023, his cap number is 7.25. Dead dead caps one million cap savings we cut him six point two five. So either year, we're we're good, like really. I mean, our biggest hit is two million, and so if it comes to that, but but you got to shine, you got to sign Schultz exactly. before that even it's, becomes an issue. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I told Seth, I said we're probably not gonna answer a ton of questions with this tight end room. It, because it, it's how are we going to use them in the offense? It, it's 
Blake Jarwin, the problem is, is they're they're polar opposites as players. And it's really what is Mike McCarthy gonna want out of his tight end? What is Kellen Moore gonna want out of his tight end with those three wide receivers in the offense this year? If you want another athlete out on the field and, and another tough guy to defend and another guy that can break a play in an instant, then we're going to see a whole lot of Blake Jarwin. Yeah. If you want someone that's going to be very gritty, make those tough third-down catches, keep the chains moving when it's third and five and there's you know they're going to be all over the wide receivers and you need that guy to just slip free and find the hole in the zone – that's Dalton Schultz. Yeah, no question. It's just tough to say this is our tight end one because what do we want from our tight end? And and honestly, I don't know because last year once Jarwin got hurt, this is what we had with Schultz. And it's just it's what we had to do. What he brought to the table is what we had to infuse into the offense for better or for worse because it's what we had. Not, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I do think Blake, I do think that Dalton Schultz, he had a really strong season for, for the expectations we could have had from him. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's it's a good problem to have. It's the same ha- the problem we had with wide receivers last year. You have. I mean, of course, you can play a three wide receiver and you can play two tight ends, but I understand that. But <clears throat> there's very, like you said, there's very few teams that have two tight ends that can hurt you. And I love the fact that we got this problem. I, I will say this there have been times in the past where we've emptied out the backfield and we've gone five wide, and Zeke's been out as a receiver, and it, it's something he can do. So it's not a problem. But maybe this year, as we look to conserve Zeke and as we look to dial back on the touches, if, if we if we empty the backfield, we can go two tight ends. Yeah. We can go three wide receivers and two tight ends, and, and you can have – what That just shows right there. That's four different formations that we just named off that you could use both of them in. So I think they both can have uh, very good years uh, – considering that they're going to be eating each other's stats. I don't think either one's going to have any kind of consistency. There's no way. I don't think But I think there are going to be weeks where Schultz goes four for 40 and Jarwin doesn't get a whole lot. And there are going to be weeks where Jarwin maybe has like a a four for 60 and a touch. And Schultz is a good receiver in the red zone. So, I mean, I think he'll get some touchdowns too for sure. There's just it's going to be an up and down year at the tight end position for both players, but that's because they bring such different skill sets and they can bring so much to this offense. And I'm going to tell you what, it like you said, it's not a bad thing to have. Dax never had this many weapons. Pollard's a receiver out the backfield. Zeke's a receiver out the backfield. Two tight ends that can catch the ball and and bring different elements to the offense with their abilities. Three wide receivers that are very, very strong, that have very, very strong suits that they bring to the offense. That That's seven guys that, that can make an impact on offense. Man, it, man it's a good year. It's, it's going to be a good year for Dak, I think, statistically, for sure. Um, no, there's definitely no excuses, for sure. I mean, it's... 
You know, you got you got the money, you got the weapons. Need the offensive line back healthy. Yes, but, but that yes, I yes. think the moral of the story um, from these two breakdowns, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, is, man, the offense is ready to roll. We, we just – if the offensive line can come back strong, we are going to be a tough team to defend with yeah. that offense. Yeah. And, I mean, I, um, I agree with all that. Well, I mean, we thought we was going to be that way last year, but – And we were. We, we were. were. I mean, but the, it was – you know, and it didn't reflect a whole lot in the first five weeks, even with Dak on there, because of the fact that we kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, but I mean, we were still but, in, we were in every <coughs> single game for all the turnovers we had, in all the sacks on offense, and all the yeah. times we shot ourselves in the foot. Every single game was a one possession game. Yeah. Every single one. So we were never. Now, granted, we had to do a lot of hard charging back, but Dak got us back into every single ball game. So well, we were competitive in every game with him. Well, I mean, that was that was it. It showed that every time we, our backs were against the wall, that uh, Dak could take us down the field and put points on the board. So it, it's, I mean, the contract's done now. You know, the weapons are there. Born injuries. There's no other excuse. No, available. no, no, no. And that's that's one of the reasons why you sign a, a Dak and you give him this big deal is this this offense is ready to roll. If if, if we can improve on defense and, and we're happy with the defensive coordinator and, and you'll hear our thoughts on the personnel as we get further into this breakdown, I, I think this team is can make a lot of noise. We just need a little help from Dan Quinn in so, the defense. If we get that, we'll be all right. Um, we, we've already started kind of doing a breakdown on, on where we're going to go next with, with this show. Um, we're definitely going to try to get a mock draft episode in. Uh, I, I had so much fun on the mock draft episode and, and talking prospects, and um, we're definitely going to get that in. So we're, we've already construed the schedule to where we're going to get in all the position groups. We'll probably throw kicker in because it was a problem a, a couple years back. And Zerline really came in and brought some stability to that position. I think it's worth mentioning. We'll probably throw him in when we talk uh, secondary. That's who we're going to end with is, is secondary. Um, hashtag official Reggie Robinson podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to bring you that mock draft episode a, a week before the draft. And then we'll probably, because of when the draft is, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll probably take that week and really do some analysis on, on the players we took and how we think they're going to fit into the team. And then that week after the draft, we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll break it down for you. But it, it's going to be a really exciting six, seven, eight weeks for this podcast. And, and we're really going to be churning out the content. And as always, we want to appreciate you guys for sticking through to these long episodes. And um, we hope you're still enjoying the content. We hope that we're we're getting better at this each and every week, and um, thank you guys for the support. That's all I got. Yeah, and uh, the Facebook page keeps booming. I mean, uh, I know over this past weekend there was four or five new people that come in, so um, word of mouth is definitely working. Um, continue to spread. You know, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your you know your best friend's cousin or whatever. Um, it, it it that's definitely working. Uh, you guys make this thing boom. It's not just us. We just bring the content and 
the more people we see show up, the more uh, be, uh, the better we feel about uh, the direction that we've been going in the show. So. And we're really starting to get, you know, Seth's super consistent about putting stuff up. We're starting to get some comments back, and, and that's that's really what, what we really want to see. Man, I can't wait till the day when someone posts something on the page and then guys are discussing stuff without us, and it, and, and it, I see notifications going on. I'm like, man, I need to jump in because guys are talking about something. I, I want to offer my input. So yeah. that's, that's the day I'm ready for is when – the group carries on discussion without us, and we've got to jump in and play catch-up. We've got to catch up on the comments that have been made on, on something we've missed. Yeah, I mean, feel free to comment on anything that's put on there. You know, we put the information on there, and it's uh, – whether you hate the whether you hate what we put up there or like what we put up there, comment, let us know. That's the easiest way to bring you guys what you want is is letting us know whether you are enjoying, not enjoying. Maybe you've got a rebuttal to something we say, and we can discuss that. We, you know, someone said this about our take, and and this is kind of why we feel this way, and 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 that that's how we grow this thing as a community. But once again, I want to appreciate you guys for uh, continuing to follow us on this journey. Like Seth said, the Facebook page is is booming. That's Backroad Cowboys Facebook page. Um, I'm at a underscore Bo six fifteen on Twitter. Um, as Seth Rob eighty five on Twitter. We also have the Back Row Cowboys page on Twitter. It's at Back Row Cowboys, and um, man, I've, I'm really enjoying this series, and I can't wait to get back into it next week as we get further on it. As we get close to the draft, man, I, I'm I'm a big time uh, ready, big fan of the draft. And of course, we're going to implement, you know. As the positional groups go and as free agents sign, we're going to add those into it as well. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. If, if if something changes, you know, there was a lot of speculation on Dak, and then of course he signed the contract a week after we did the breakdown. We will come back and discuss the the following week. We're we're going to try to let nothing slip through the crack. Um, if if Cedric Wilson ends up getting tendered tomorrow, day after, we will mention it next week. So we're trying to keep you guys uh, up to date on all the latest news. But um, thanks, guys. Have a great night, and as always, go Cowboys.